Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 62 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peake, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. Today, we have very special guest, Mark Fiorentino, the author of Master of Reality, where he really dives into the physics and Einstein's unified field theory. He also talks about anti-gravity, breaking the speed of light barrier, and how this is intertwined within the UFOlogy and UFO field. So we have a lot to go over, so strap on them seatbelts, we're going for a ride. Welcome to episode 62 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peake, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. And today's episode is sponsored by the brand new radio show called Etherology. What is it? Over on ERRT Radio, which you can watch on YouTube and on the um, on, and other apps. Um, and today I want to welcome our special guest, Mark Fiorentino. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jesse. It's good to be here. Absolutely. I think uh, you're, you're my first guest that has really um, dived deep into science and physics. Um, so this should be a really interesting uh, conversation. I know the the, um, the listeners are looking forward to this one for sure. Excellent. Yeah, we need to definitely talk about how UFO, how the theory of super relativity says that UFOs work. Would you like to, uh, you know, elaborate on that a little more and how this all comes together and, and um, how you've, you know, combined the UFO, UFO world and anti-gravity and all this together? Yeah, sure. Um, it really starts very young uh, at the age of 10 with an interest in Albert Einstein unified field theory. And uh, afterwards, uh, when I became a teenager, I said, wait a minute, uh, obviously there are aliens visiting this, this planet. But, you know, there are eyewitness accounts in the tens of thousands. They all can't be seeing something that doesn't exist or is not real or a mistaken identity. Some of these have to be real. That means that the aliens have come from distances way too far to go at using rockets or the speed of light. And uh, they have to be using some sort of a spatial bias drive. At the time, I just said anti-gravity. And they must know about the unified field theory that... Albert Einstein was working on. So they must have found the solution. So they know what causes gravity. And once you know what causes gravity, then you're going to know and understand how to create anti-gravity. So that's how I got into it basically over the years, just kind of reading about that, studying it. Eventually I came up with my own theory, which is an extension of uh, general and special relativity, which I call super relativity. And within that theory, I was able to discover the root cause, foundational cause of gravity. And uh, basically what it is, mechanically speaking, is that gravity is a contraction of space. And that really kind of makes sense. So if gravity is a contraction of space, according to my theory, then <laughs> naturally anti-gravity would be an expansion of space. And so my work went in that direction. Once I, I was able to uncover the mechanism for causing a contraction of space, how particles do it, how they generate their mass, 
and the gravitational field that they emit. Then I went about the process much later in life of figuring out a way for particle motion to also generate an expansion of space, which eventually led me to a complete picture of how reality works. That's why I call my book, uh, you know, the uh, master of reality, because that's what we're talking about. And, and, and this is what we need to link to, uh, to understand how aliens and uh, their technology uh, can be used to travel faster than the speed of light and, and be used for anti-gravity. Yeah, I think this is exactly where we need to be focusing on when we do our research, because this is where we could figure out the, you know, their propulsion systems and how they are traveling from one point to another. Um, and exactly. gravity and breaking the speed of the light barrier, obviously, they're already at that point and past it much further. Um, so to have the information exactly. that you've researched and investigated, I mean, that's like right where we need to be. So let's get into the details. Let's get into the actual explanation. So let's do it. Uh, gravity really, as I said, is caused by a contraction of space. And I, I have that in the book and I have a paper that you can go to my website and click on the link and research gate that I explain the entire model of how particles generate a gravitational field. It's really by the accelerated motion of uncharged uh, particles. Basically inside a neutron and the proton, they're making a, a trefoil pattern. And this holds the particles together, the strong force, and also, as they maneuver in this way, they cause a contraction of space in and around the particles as they accelerate rapidly in this trefoil pattern, which is a knot pattern, a simple knot pattern. And that whole knot is spinning and rolling, which eventually leads to a sphere that's spinning. And that causes the contraction at the edge of that sphere. And I, I could get into it in more detail, but that was has to do with Einstein's happiest thought, which he concluded basically the same thing uh, I found out years later. So that's gravity and a contraction of space. So now we need to move forward. Once I established that, I said, well, particle motion, accelerated particle motion of unbalanced charges causes a gravitational field and mass. Therefore, we need to figure out um, um, how particles move, which I eventually did. I discovered what I call the slip wave. And, and that's very important because the slip wave is the, it reveals how to build a starship. Because once you understand how particles move, and Einstein was studying that, he died before he figured it out. But I have the model for particle motion. And to prove what I'm saying about Einstein uh, was studying that too, which I was delighted to find out as I was writing the book. His final words in his unified field theory of gravitation and electricity in July 25th, 1925, his final words were this. Nevertheless, I'm still far away from claiming the physical validity of equations I've derived. The reason for that is I did not succeed in deriving equations of motions for particles yet. He was looking for the same thing I was looking for all these years. If you know how 
particles move, then you understand the very foundation of reality because particle motion, motion through space is what causes force, the gravitational field and the magnetic field. So discovering the slip wave is a matter of discovering how particles move, which comes from the origin that all particles, all of them, are made of electrostatic fields, very small, tiny fields that we classify as a particle, but in reality are just very small wave-like fields. And this structure of these particles creates a vortex uh, shape. And this is something that Maxwell worked on, Heaviside, and a bunch of people at that time, they came to the same conclusion. Mechanically speaking, if space is some sort of solid, which I have come to determine is true, there is an ether, and the space is a quasi-elastic solid, quasi meaning that when you pull it apart or compress it or twist it, as soon as you remove that force, it snaps back into a flat geometry. Uh, elastic means it can be deformed, it could be bent. Gravity is proof of that. Einstein said that. And um, a solid means that this thing out there in the middle of outer space, away from everything, everywhere, is something that is continuous. That's the true deep definition of a solid, that which is continuous. It is not made up of parts. So it can't be divided into a particle field that uh, is what makes up the, the, the uh, ether. The ether itself is a quasi-elastic solid. So in order for us to move particles and to build starships, we have to create something called the slip wave. The slip wave is the method that particles use and is the same method that can be used to push starships at speeds greater than the speed of light. Once you understand how the photon moves, which I outlined in detail in my book, uh, and the electron in every particle, they are basically electrostatic charges. And the unified field theory states that electromagnetism and gravity emerge as aspects of a single fundamental field. That fundamental field, I am saying, is the ether. That was the field that they thought of before the year 1905 existed. Lorenz and Einstein and Poincaré and bunches of people all were in agreement on that uh, at that point until a catastrophic event occurred in 1905. It's really a series of things. Not enough time to get into here, but they abandoned the idea of the ether, which was a tragic mistake. Uh, but the slip wave comes about as charges, let's say the photon, which is the most complex little particle, is partially positive charge and partially negative charge. These are two balanced charges that create a net charge of zero. But in reality, it's plus one, minus one. This causes the photon to move in a straight line directly ahead, always in a straight line direct, unless it encounters a gravitational field. Uh, so the photon moves in this way because there's a pressure gradient 
inside of the particle, starting at the beginning and all the way to the end. It's a clockwise, counterclockwise kind of spin that goes on. This keeps the structure, keeps it going straight and uh, it doesn't accelerate. And since it doesn't accelerate, it moves at the maximum speed. It doesn't develop any sort of inertial grind until till it hits the speed of light. And that's bound. It's bound by that, uh, by the, the space that it's going through, which is determined. This is very important. Everybody play, pay attention to this next statement. The speed of light, it has been determined by James Clerk Maxwell to be C equals one over the square root of permittivity times permeability. These are two aspects of space. These are two properties. If space weren't a real thing, a physical thing, it would not have these measurable properties. And it does. So obviously that's evidence for the ether. And so the speed of light is limited by these two numbers or these two properties, which can be affected by fields of force, such as magnetic fields of force and electrostatic fields of force. You'll find that if you do a lot of studying with um, UFO experts, the vast majority of them will claim that there's some in very strong magnetic fields surrounding the ship. Right. And some of them will, will link are linked to electrogravitic, uh, which is using charge. Both charge and magnetic fields are twists or rotations of space. When a particle moves, that's a twist, a vortex shape. Uh, um, basically, as it moves, since it's a, a vortex shape, if you can imagine that moving through space, it's like spinning and space reacts to that in and around the particle and rotates. That's the magnetic field. So we're two thirds of the way, Maxwell discovered that, uh, that there's an association to moving charge in the magnetic field. A magnetic field never happens unless a charge moves. Okay. These are known facts. So that's how we, we can use electrons in superconducting wire or whatever, massive amounts, me megawatts worth uh, is what the, uh, it's estimated that these UFOs use to create intense magnetic fields that creates a specific waveform and shape around a cardioid shape around the spacecraft. And this is used to create the anti-gravity effect because a rotation of space, a magnetic field is a rotation of space, causes space to stretch. And that's what's needed. When space becomes less dense, stretched, the properties of permittivity and permeability drop. And when you cause those two to drop, then the speed of light changes. So the speed of light is dependent upon those two properties, which we can affect using a magnetic field. So now we have the knowledge to build a starship ourselves. And the stronger we make that magnetic field, the stronger or the less those two, if you do the math, the equation that I gave you earlier, the smaller those numbers become, the faster the speed of light. So now you can go 10 times, 
a hundred, a thousand, a million, a billion times the speed of light if you want to. Once you drop those two values to zero, light can go infinitely fast, which is very dangerous. Now, it's interesting to note that there are people in the material scientist world who I've been studying have created materials, metamaterials, which hmm, some UFOs seem to have a, a, the outer shell made of a metamaterial. Uh, now that makes sense because a metamaterial, uh, they can achieve zero permittivity and permeability within a material. And they are claiming when they shine light through it, it goes infinitely fast confirming what I just told you. It's scientific fact that, of course, is in, under debate right now because nobody wants to admit that the speed of light isn't really constant. It, it's determined by these two properties that these material scientists have succeeded in using to build this material that has this very interesting property inside of it. So that's how we can build starships, by surrounding them with a particular type of magnetic field that more than likely is a sweeping field. It's in motion as well. And that's a key component that must be considered when building the starship. The entire starship must be surrounded by the magnetic field because in order to do this, when you surround it, the secondary field, the anti-gravity field emerges. You can shield the magnetic field with certain materials to protect the occupants from the strong magnetic field. But the anti-gravity field does not get shielded, which is perfect. So now you have this bubble around the, the starship that prevents the inhabitants of that starship or that UFO from feeling the effects of inertia when they accelerate. And I, I know you, as you have studied this, and others that uh, UFOs can make these right turns at high speed uh, at such speeds as 10 or 20,000 miles per hour would be lethal to right. anybody inside if the inertia was not canceled. No, the magnetic is this similar field, to gravity wells? It's not a well, not a gravity well. That's a contraction. Okay. It's a, so gravity, when I'm saying with these ships, is an actual bubble, it's an expansion oh, of the okay. space. Okay. So the space, the density of it becomes much less. The tension increases dramatically. And, and so long as you're inside of this thing, it's almost like you're not moving at all uh, because you've removed the the material substance to such a degree, the ether, you've caused it to spread out, to thin out to such a high degree, um, it's not giving you any of uh, the bodies or the materials inside of the ship and around the ship, uh, any sort of inertial drag, which is necessary. Or, or these people, I don't care what, what they're made of, whether they're reptilians or an, uh, insects or mammals or whatever, they'd be killed. And we would be killed if we accelerated and stopped and, and or accelerated from zero to 10,000 in less than a second. That would kill us. That would crush our bones and, and <laughs> would be lethal. Right. But yet they can do it. So this has to be this way. 
this this system, the slip wave, has everything that's needed to get us from one planet to another, as the one uh, person who spoke at a meeting said, we now have the uh, technology to take ET home. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, we do, because we reverse engineered it years ago. And uh, probably not with a whole lot of help from the extraterrestrials, because I think for the most part, they fear us because we're not really stable, emotionally stable enough to handle this technology because where's the problem? If we get this technology, well, we could put nuclear weapons on board ship and we could get to their planet. Right. Yep. I don't think anybody wants that. No. And we're crazy enough or stupid enough to start a war with an advanced species. I can tell you, if we ever do that, we won't be around much longer because I think everybody will pretty much who's not human will decide to, well, let's push an asteroid at them. Right. That'll take, take them out. out. Yeah. Right. And, and they've never done that. So obviously they're not really at war with us, even though our military people might want to us to think that it's not true. Uh, they've been studying and I'm sure uh, listening to the many episodes from Stephen Greer and others that these people helped our race form. In other words, genetically speaking, they modified the ape at some point, hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of years ago to get a species that could, you know, evolve intellectually, you know, and right. you know, become self-aware and so forth. Um, so, that that's how we can do it using high magnetics it's the most practical you, you can use the electrostatic field but i don't know that you could use that uh to break the light speed barrier unless you were to surround the ship with extend that field outward but that i would have to do some more thinking and research about but i'll guarantee you the most easiest safest way is using the magnetic field Okay, that's really interesting, because uh, a lot of people have talked about gravity wells, and they, that's how they were trying to say their theory was that's how these these craft and these ships are moving. But the theory you just explained, I mean, that that hits it right on the head. You know, I've never heard that before. It's extremely interesting, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners will take that and uh, you know have an answer for what we're looking at now. Yeah, the gravity well theory comes from a lot from uh, guys like. Michio Kaku and, and uh, yeah. so forth, who think that they they be believe that a spatial bias drive is the way to go, too. But they've concocted this idea, and there's a uh, scientist somewhere in either South, I think it's South America, who came up with a, uh, a method where you contract the gravity well in front of the ship to pull it forward. Right. And then at the back, you have what I'm saying, the expansion, pushing it forward. So you got falling forward, pushing forward. Unfortunately, they don't really think it through because if you contract the space, you're working against yourself. That You don't fall forward and increase, you're going to increase mass. You're going to contract your, your ship at the front of it. And anything that bends space to that degree will destroy, will, 
you will flatten the ship will flatten out and everybody will be dead in an instant as soon as right. you picked in this drive if you could do that right. and there is a way to do it but you don't want to do it because okay. it's lethal you'll basically destroy every, the ship and everybody on it the entire ship must cause space to expand so you don't want the gravity well in front you don't want the contraction of space in front and and there's no indication of the uh, aliens actually using gravity. Now Bob Lazar keeps saying the word gravity wave and so forth, uh, and and you have to keep asking him questions before he finally says anti gravity. Well, it's really anti gravity. Well, stop saying gravity because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a gravity wave. That it's an anti gravity wave. Right. And, and 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 so there's a little confusion coming from that. Uh, but um, this way that I've stated makes sense. It was something Einstein was working on in order to explain gravity. He knew that that particles in motion must be the cause of gravity. Right. And unfortunately, he never got to it. But it's in my paper, and I have the math to back back it up. Well, I think that was a so perfect that, way to kick off the first half and explain exactly what you're okay. working on for everybody. Um, and now I guess mm -hmm. we can dive a little bit deeper into the different aspects when we come back after the break. Um, Absolutely. Now that everybody understands it. So we're going to go ahead and take our break and we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, be sure to check out the new YouTube and podcast show called Etherology, What Is It? on ERRT Radio on the YouTube channel, our official sponsor of our show. Did you know UFO Encounters Worldwide has an official website for the podcast? That's right. You can go to ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com today and check out all of the cool content we have on the UFO phenomenon. You can get all of the content and information for each episode on the website. Plus, you can follow my travels and see some of my work. There's even new weekly updates on the UFO phenomenon with megalithic structures and different places from around the world with UFO sightings. That's ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. Check it out today. Are you looking for some new swag? Well, UFO Encounters Worldwide now has an official clothing line and store where you can get your official merchandise. It's storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide. You can select from a large variety of all kinds of gear, t-shirts, hoodies, sweatpants, masks, can cozies, and more. We'll be adding more designs as time moves on, but there are two amazing ones on there now. And if you're looking to also support the show, you can sponsor to our PayPal and donate if you like. If not, that's okay too. Check out our swag store. Again, that's storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide today.
UFO encounters worldwide wants to hear from you. Have an experience or a sighting you want to share? Contact your host, Jesse Peak, at ufoencountersworldwide at gmail.com today. Have you or someone you know had a UFO sighting and experienced some kind of electrical malfunction? Well, we have good news. We have started a project called Project BatTech 404. Battery technology and 404 stands for an error code you get with technology. You can report your UFO sighting that experienced electrical malfunctions at battech404researchmembers at gmail.com. You can also check out the official website, which explains all of our goals that we're looking to accomplish and how it's going to benefit the UFO community. This is a public project, so we also share the cases we have researched for the project. The website is projectbattech404.wordpress.com. Check it out today. And if you know somebody that has had an encounter, please email us so we can help the research and the data grow. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the second half of episode 62, where we had an amazing first half of diving into anti-gravity, breaking the speed of light barrier, um, and the theory of everything, and Einstein's unified field theory, uh, here with Mark Fiorentino. So, um, you know, a lot of people always think that this might be something fourth dimensional, fifth dimensional, um, you know, out of body consciousness. Um, what are your thoughts on that within the ufology world and realm? Yeah, that's a good question because there are many aspects and many types and modes of, of transportation, not just the one I just described. That's probably the main one of the uh, of used by species that are not as advanced as the super, maybe the 100 million year old or the millions of year old advanced beyond us te technologies. Uh, the entry level is uh, mode of transportation is what I just described. But there are people using uh, a magnetic resonant technology, uh, aliens, let's say, are using magnetic resonant technology uh, uh, to create portals or stargate technology so they can move through space and by jumping through dimensions okay and open a portal here and you'll you'll see this sometimes or there's reports like maybe a green gas or a green cloud and then something just emerges from like uh, right into the sky or whatever and this was described in um in the philadelphia experiment as well we stumbled over a portal uh, technology by using the magnetic resonant fields um, and so so there are many aliens that are interdimensional they come from another dimension even so usually a higher vibrating dimension and uh, this is a good way to quickly jump across universes or galaxies or from other dimensions to here so we got that kind of technology that that they can use well, uh, along with who knows what, if they could create, you know, enough um, capacitors that are large enough to have millions of volts 
of uh, electrostatic field pressure between the plates, now you can again cause space to twist violently using the electrostatic field, shield the occupants, and perhaps get the same slip wave uh, technology that I described using the magnetic field. Uh, so there's that method that should also be able to break the light speed barrier. So yeah, we've got um, uh, aliens coming in using various technologies, and then they're they're also described as having incredible powers, uh, psychic powers, uh, which is a whole nother technology that I haven't really gotten into a lot of detail, but there seems to be some indications that aliens can absolutely pass through solid materials. Their spaceships can go through the earth, right through the earth and jump out the other side. I've had um, abductees tell me about that. Yes. Um, so they have technologies which may have, be associated with some psychic abilities that work together maybe in, in, con in unison to um, create uh, effects that appear like magic to us. They're so far advanced right. that we have no concept of how to how they do that. And, and that's where I kind of I've drawn the line in that, you know, that not having, you know, any foundational understanding, a deep understanding of how the psychic world works and and uh i just know it does right uh, i know it exists um it's been demonstrated to me many times over and over again but there's dimensions that are not physically like our own which they have different laws of physics and and so things get muddled when you try to analyze those things and those technologies that may employ uh, psychic abilities of their beings. I mean, some of them have contacted us, the aliens have contacted us through um, other people's minds, you know, people going through regression therapy, uh, have uh, the aliens realize they're going through their regression therapy and then talk to the the hypnotist, uh, the psychologist, whoever is was working and pass information that way. Right. So, so that's, you know, and the, they're from distant galaxies, perhaps, and they're commuting, communicating directly through this medium, which um, somehow works and it, it, it's out of time. So that means that, you know, they're not bound by a transmission speed of the speed of light. The psychic ability is the speed of thought. It's instantaneous through vast distances. So that's another whole can of worms there that I have limited knowledge of and have limited information, but I do believe exists. And when we evolve, um, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of years from now, we should be able to have a much greater understanding of that, that type of biological or that spiritual technology. Now, I have heard you talk um, a little bit about NDEs, which are near-death experiences, and, and what people have come out on the other side saying they've seen um, when they're having these experiences. Um, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit in your work with that? Yeah, sure. Um, 
there's a couple chapters in my book that um, I get the idea that I want to find something that I found out later on, uh, again, that Einstein was working on, which was finding a dynamical geometry to use to explain how the universe works, gravity, basically. And I, I suspected that it would have three elements involved. Whatever this geometry is would be have three elements. And I thought, well, I listened to one of Einstein's statements and I went with it. He said, um, I want to know how God created this world. I am not interested in this or that phenomena in the spectrum of this or that element. I want to know his thoughts. The rest are details. And I says, well, hey, maybe with this dynamical geometry idea, I could go take his advice. I'll go to the creator himself and ask him. Now, I can't do that unless I die, but other people have died and they have witnessed God speaking to them, Jesus speaking to them, to the loved ones speak, and they give them information. I thought, well, wait a minute. Maybe I should start searching through NDE reports and look for anybody who sees a geometry. And uh, that's what I did. And within a week's time, I found a lady, Lynn Claire Dennis, who saw what she calls the pattern. And God is telling her uh, that she calls it an infinite spirit or whatever, but um, we actually worked together for a while and I tried to tell her what the meaning of the pattern was and they listened, uh, but she's working with uh, mathematicians and so forth now and they've talked her out of her near-death experience. Now she doesn't know if there's a God, which is very unusual wow. for an NDE person. Yeah, right. so we, I says, look, I believe in you more than you believe in you. And I know what you saw was real. And I know what what she saw was a thing called a trefoil knot that I mentioned earlier. Yes. And um, the version she saw, and I, I meant to really write her and tell her I got another insight, is a trefoil knot that doesn't look like the, the three, the three elements, right? The one, you know, I got like a triangular shape kind of thing going on here. Right. I could show you if we had video turned on, but it's it's on my website. It's you may even see it. I don't know if it's on my uh, yeah. Skype. It's the triangle with the circle and the three. Uh, the three things yes. in the middle. Yes. Okay. Yes, that those the, the three things is the trefoil knot. So I says that's the quarks inside of the neutron and proton. That's the way they're moving, and when they spin fast enough. Uh, it's, it's spinning and rolling. What she has, she's seen this, the version that's rolling. So you got an extra two bumps on the bottom side. Um, and that's what it looks like. The trefoil knot looks like if it's rolling. I don't know that they ever realized that or not. But um, so in her vision, while she was on the other side, and God is saying, I am the energy that forms mass. He's telling her, he's giving her the secret to how all particles work, why there's gravity, why there's planets. He says, I am the source of the sun. Gravity is the source of the sun. And he's created the method by which gravity 
emerges into this reality. Gravity isn't foundational, it's emergent. And it emerges because of this foundational motion of the particles executing that pattern that she saw, along with all these platonic solids rolling around it. And then she comes back and tells her husband because she dies in this hot air balloon race. And um, they have to descend because she, you know, lost oxygen. They went up too high and revive her. And then she comes out of it. She's trying to tell everybody what she saw and so forth. She eventually wrote a book, which I read. And um, so I got the information by, by considering Einstein's words that I thought, well, I'll find if God wants us to know, he'll send a message through somebody. And sure enough, I found the lady who was the messenger. And her message led me to this, what I now call the signature of God, which is those three symbols I got in the thing. The, the, the rotating and spinning trefoil knot causes the sphere that you see, and the triangle represents the three dimensions of space. So within that uh, three-dimensional object space, um, this, this is the method, the mechanics, the mechanical model used to create gravity. So that is an instance where I, I learned about, or I made the connection necessary to complete my theory and find the signature of God, which is really the dynamical geometry. So there's one instance. There's other instances that I, I am constantly reading about NDEs and watching videos to get information about the way things really are. For instance, on my website, I have this video. There's a clap of thunder because I'm about to bring up something religious. I don't know if you heard that or not. <laughs> <laughs> the background, the thunder clap just happened. Uh, Father Rick Wendell um, also talked to God and God explained to him that he is the creator. And he said to him precisely these words, all this three-dimensional world is within God. There is nothing outside of God. Everything within this physical universe has to correspond to laws. And God set those laws. They are immutable as God is immutable. None of this, what we see and experience, is an accident. It is intentioned by God. You know, you really can't say it any more, more clear. clearly <laughs> than that. Yeah. And, and that's the way it really is. Uh, and when you pass away, when somebody passes away, a lot of other people have basically been told the same thing. Uh and so after a while, you say, well, are all these people wrong? Or, or doesn't this really make sense? <laughs> it's, it does. It, it, it's the most sensible thing because God is eternal. And that's a hard concept to get around, infinite and internal. But uh, I have come to realize now that we're really kind of living in a uh, matrix-like thing like as if we're all inside of God's mind we're living in a um, shared dream okay and going through these experiences which are very valuable that we take back with us because we're all connected you'll you'll hear that over and over again once you get to the other side 
everything and everyone is connected. And uh, when we're in the physical form, we kind of lose it. We're really still connected, but we lose the connection consciously. Uh, unless we do meditation and things like that, we can't get, we can't feel that connection to God until we pass away. Uh, so those are inches, you know, instances where valuable information can come from the other side. And, and it's, it's just being willing to be open-minded enough. A physicist would never do this. No, not at uh, all. That's not nuts and bolts. <laughs> uh, but a philosopher, as I am, a metaphysician, one who studies the nature of things, is all about getting to the truth and having an open mind and seeing if what you experience makes sense and incorporating that into knowledge. That's what we want to do. We want to get to the point where we know things. Absolutely. So I can tell you for sure, I know for sure there's a God, there's a Jesus, there's a Buddha. Do you hear that? It was another thunderbolt. <laughs> yeah, I did hear that one. <laughs> God, God is listening and he's, he's chiming in. Um, th that's the way it really is. And we need to get to that. And we are just a part of that. The aliens are a part of that. They know there's a God. They're universal beings. And, you know, when asked about it, they don't deny there's a God. They say, yeah, there's a universal being who uh, we're a part of. We're all a part of that. So, yeah, I have done, and I continue to do much research in the area of near-death experiences. Because every once in a while, you come away with some real gems, some real discoveries about what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely interesting, especially because you're, you're, the people are reaching a point in your death experiences where no one has ever really gone before. So every bit of information right. from that, I mean, is extremely important and should be uh, kept with the utmost care. You know what I mean? And and putting it into research like you're doing, comparing it to other things to find out the actual open answer to it all. Absolutely. Uh, it's I get much inspiration, not just knowledge. You know, I, I think that a lot of us and I think myself included, knowledge from God comes about as a result of infused knowledge that comes directly from God. So inspiration, you might call it, or the sort of things that people, you know, scientists and artists and musicians, there's a connection there. And the better your connection, the more you're inspired and the greater your work. Um, and, and, and people need to learn to, to establish that connection, acknowledge it, and ask and pray and whatever, and, and you will be given information. Lord knows right. I've gotten a lot of information that way. So I have another question about uh, the UFO field um, and kind of, you know, sure. back to what we talked about anti-gravity and how these ETs are using particles to get here and, and using that circle space. And, um, you know, we have, we, you kind of talked about it earlier, we've re-engineered um, craft. Now, do you think, a lot of what we're seeing today is is our tech, or would you say it's a good mixture of ET and ours? Yes, uh, it's a mixture. And I know the first time I spotted one that I, I knew was ours was the one that happened in Texas 
think it was back in the 70s, where there was radiation leakage and some of the uh, people who who witnessed it got uh, radiation poisoning. Okay. I says, well, that's got to be one of ours because there's two tricks. There's two things you need to build a, a UFO. You need room temperature superconducting wire, a, a high magnetic field, and you need an enormous amount of power, probably in the megawatts. Uh, and I figured, well, if we had trouble getting that technology and interfacing it to it, then the next best thing would be to create a small nuclear reactor and put it on board and use that to generate the necessary power. And so when I heard about that, I said, that's got to be one of our experimental ones. And sure enough, it was surrounded by helicopters and, uh, it it didn't fly very well <laughs> and there was a <laughs> nuclear accident or waste or something started leaking from the ship so that is one instance that was later confirmed by a leakers to stephen greer that that indeed was one of ours then i know of another one that i was contacted by a person who wishes to remain anonymous so I will not say anything more about the person's name, but they gave me a hearing. One of my shows was moved to contact me and to confirm what I was saying was true. And this person, along with a friend in the seventies came in contact with a UFO in the desert Southwest. And they got very close. They got within touching distance of a small craft, maybe the size of a Volkswagen. They walked up to it, they could see markings on it. And the markings said, um, US Air Force, experimental. Uh. So yeah, we have them. I know this for sure. And so, you know, for the people out there, the Air Force or the government to say, you know, this, the Tic Tacs and all this stuff, oh, we don't know what they are. That, of course, is another lie. They know all the different races, and I'm sure they've got them all categorized and right. who flies what. And, and so <laughs> the Tic Tacs could, could have been ours. Maybe they were just testing our reaction, pilot's reaction to yeah, the advanced technology. Yep. Yeah. So who knows? Uh, but uh, for sure, in my opinion, we're now seeing both yeah. ours and theirs which or who is what i don't know you right. know which design is our you know ours and, and which, is which designs are theirs so we have about uh two minutes left do you want to tell everybody where they can get your book at and where they can follow you out on your website and everything yeah uh my book uh you can get it from my website site you know, i'll send you a signed copy or you can get it off of amazon uh on the front page of my website, www.super-relativity.com, super-relativity.com. Uh, I have a series of buttons there, and that's take you to the main things that people are coming to see in my blog, uh, some of my videos, direct link to Amazon books, and a direct link to a page where I sell the uh, my book online on my website, and other in my 
paper, my unified field theory paper that describes the origin of gravity, mass, and inertia. Uh, all that stuff is right there on my website. All right, great. And uh, and you have a YouTube channel as well, which I oh yes, yes, I have a link to the YouTube. Please come and subscribe. Um, hopefully, within the next few months, I'll have some major announcements. I mean, major. You're probably going to want me back on the show for this. I will contact every show I've been on and let them know if I have the announcement to make. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, so. That's coming in the future, and eventually I'll put videos of this announcement on on the on my YouTube page. Hopefully, it won't be banned because it it has technology that is not favorable amongst. <laughs> <laughs> I, That's all I'll say about that. I, I just hope it, it could stay on long enough for people to see it, but I'll, I'll try to put it on multiple places, but that's only if it works. And I'm still uh, wondering if that will happen. I'll, I'll have to do my experiments to see. Right. It's an adventure. I and, hear you. Um, it is. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for coming on today and I'll make sure I put all the links in the description of the episode. So that this way everybody can easily find them and, and get a hold of you. Um, and I want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing your information because it was absolutely mind blowing and, and great information to learn. So thank you for that. It was an honor. You're welcome. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. And we'll be in touch because I'm sure, like you said, I'll want to have you back on. Uh, we like having guests on a second time. I know we didn't get to talk about everything. There's no way we could do that in an hour. <laughs> oh, I can go three, uh, four, five hours. Right. There's a lot of information in my book. Absolutely. I, I bet. So we'll definitely have you back on in the future. And thanks again today. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to UFO Encounters Worldwide. Uh, we will be back next week with another special guest, Alan B. Smith. And make sure you go check out our new sponsor, um, Etherology. What is it? It's a brand new show over on ERRT Radio on YouTube and the Mixler app. And uh, thank you, everybody. And remember to keep your eyes in the sky. Well, that was a great episode with our special guest, Mark Fiorentino, talking about anti-gravity and how this all intertwines within ufology. It was extremely interesting and one of my first guests to actually talk about physics. Um, I hope you guys all learned something because I know I sure did. Um, next week, we have special guest Alan B. Smith, a documentary filmmaker, interviewer. He also has his own podcast and his new documentary is coming out called Half Life. So that should be extremely interesting. So until then, we remind you to keep your eyes in the sky.